this week on Young Nostalgia. It's our mission to save the world. Let's take a look. Hello and welcome to another fabulous episode of Young Nostalgia, episode 110. We're back to the even digits with the fifth element, the best, most quoted and decorated movie throughout the ages, starring Bruce Willis, uh, Mia Jovovich, I never know how to say her last name. worked on that before the show. I know. I thought about it, but you know what? Every time we have a good idea, we never write it down. And we always forget about it, right? When the why when we need it. Well, yeah. So. I mean, that's why why break with tradition, right? <laughs> that's young nostalgia <laughs> way. I'm Nolan. As always, I'm joined by Ben, who is right beside me. How you doing today, big guy? I'm doing good on a nice crappy Sunday here in Ohio. Uh, crappy? What makes it crappy? I mean, it's like 45 degrees and raining. Oh, that's crazy! It's like 61 degrees oh. and sunny. Rub it in right now. You could have moved out with us. <laughs> Ooh, I don't want to be one of those Nebraskanites. Yeah, trust me, it's <laughs> it's taken its toll. the The man you see and hear in front of you right now is not the man I once was. <laughs> it's changed him. It's changed. <laughs> they lace the water. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. Episode 110, talking about the fifth element as we round out our first uh, group of movie recommendations for each other. This is my all-time favorite movie, and it was nice to end it all. So then that way, we'll take a movie that uh, you know is very just different in general and end them out because I'm, I'm very excited and, and interested to see Ben's take on it. After him watching snippets here and there, but not being engrossed enough. But now he even told me that he watched it twice this weekend. Twice. I did. So he loves it just as much as I do. I will clarify that. I didn't watch it twice out of like, oh my gosh, I have to watch it again. It's <laughs> I watched it twice to make sure I was picking up what I was needing to pick up. Right. W- which is awesome, which means he really liked it. <laughs> I think no matter how that goes, I think you're going to spin it around. So I'm going to spin it around. <laughs> <laughs> really, really excited about this one. Um, anything you want to get off your chest before we uh, just say screw it, take a break, and come back, and we'll get started. <laughs> Quotes: Take a break and come back. Take, yeah. <laughs> um, no, not really. Uh, what is our plan for? Are we gonna take next week? <coughs> Excuse me. Did you get that, dude. I'll tell you what. My, my allergies. My no. Well. <laughs> My allergies have been terrible, man. Just terrible recently. Terrible. 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 Uh, okay, talking about a break next week. Yes. Uh, probably most likely, especially since we took a break um, after my big day. So Mr. Ben himself is getting married this upcoming weekend. So it's true. That's exciting. Right. And I had no idea until today. So, <laughs> Well, we like to do most of our planning last minute, so... Right. Uh, you know, I'm, right. we're just now starting to get the, you know, it's Saturday, so we're just now starting to get stuff lined up. Nice. <laughs> so am I supposed to say something during this <laughs> wedding? Uh, I mean, you can if you want. Mostly just stand there and look good. Okay. I could do that. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I'm excited, man. It's going to be a great day. Uh, all right. What do you think? Should we get into it? Let's do it. Hey, hey, hey. 
Ben's spilling beer left and right, and it's crazy. Yep. I, I think he has more on him and the mic and the table rather than, like, in his stomach. Yeah, I smell like a brewery. <clears throat> <laughs> Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, my friend. Uh, All right. So, episode 110, talking about the fifth element. Usually, I get a quick little snippet of the movie, too. So, stall for a qu- quick second. Mm. Fifth element. <laughs> Stalling, stalling, stalling. What does Wikipedia say? The Fifth Element is actually a French film, like, well, maybe not a French film, but made by a French director. Uh, 1997, a science fiction film directed and co-written by Luke Besson. It stars Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, and Mia Jovovich. Uh, primarily set in the 23rd century, the film's central plot uh, involves the survival of planet Earth, which becomes the responsibility of Corbin Dallas, played by Bruce Willis, who is a taxi cab driver and former Special Forces major, after a young woman, who is Mia Jovovich, falls into his cab. And then they accomplish this by flying to space, grabbing the, uh, the four elemental stones, and save the world. That is the fifth element, the best movie ever made ben why don't you start us on your hot takes uh of this movie actually one of my one of my top points here was was actually going to be uh that it's actually a french movie that was released in english so right (laughs) glad you brought that up i i did not realize that um you had no idea filmed i believe entirely in europe um i believe mostly in london i think um, I believe you're right, but it is interesting that it was a f- actually it was a French movie, um, basically just recorded in English. I mean, I guess kind of a hard way of saying that. I mean, it is a English movie, but it right. French. I I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it was been on my list to watch for a very very long time. Um, finally got around to watching it. Uh, gr- I will say great movie. Also, definitely one of the goofiest movies I've ever seen, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, Goofy. Off the top of my head, I think the only thing that might be zanier than this would have been, I don't know, you watched Sausage Party with me, right? Right, right. That was a goofy one. I think that one takes the cake, <laughs> but it's also animated too. So I think anything animated right. might have to count out. But definitely, definitely goofy. Uh, so we like, 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 what what makes it goofy? <clears throat> like, what about it is is do you classify as well, as goofy? Well, I wouldn't say not really. Any of the plot is all that weird. It's kind of a standard science fiction plot. I would say you know there's okay. some sort of outside. It, well, as far as science, science fiction goes, it's normally like an outside space entity is threatening mm-hmm. civilization. You have to, it seems like there is kind of a reoccurring theme in science fiction where there's like elemental stones or relics or something like that um, that have to be gathered together to create a weapon to save the day. So all that's pretty standard. It's the, the, the weirdness really starts in the portrayal of the 23rd century. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And the overall actions and attire of the people in said 23rd century. Um, I love it. I mean, I could say just 
you wouldn't even have to watch the movie. There's just several key points where you could take a screenshot and just <laughs> like, holy cow, what on earth is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like one of the key, like weird, goofiest things is, uh, especially like in the beginning of the movie, like towards the beginning, uh, the police uniforms. Yes. Uh, one of the, like the bulkiest weird it almost looks like they're wearing like plastic tubing with a big light on their chest yeah there's just like this big eight inch round lit up (laughs) disc on their chest and i was looking at their helmets too oh yeah the helmets you know i think okay a helmet with a visor okay makes sense well if you look if you look at it more closely that is hard opaque plastic there's no it's not tinted it's not anything it's straight up black plastic that's just over their eyes like impossible for anyone to see i wonder how they could get through their scenes not bumping into things right i know (laughs) they they honestly didn't really move that much no no and actually uh local law enforcement was uh very minimal really just in the in, in the opening scenes there um right and for the most part i think they were maybe like shown here and there later in the movie but nothing of any substance really right and i love that you even bring up like the 23rd century appeal of new york city like <clears throat> to kind of bring in well known of mine is like one of my favorite scenes was with the first one where Lilu discovers what's outside and she's out there on the on like the gutter of this building right and it's just humongous and it goes all the way down almost like retro futurism in the way of like society will get to a point where the only where the only place we can go is up instead of out right you know what i mean so these buildings are just humongous and there's no like street or place below no well, to be seen there's they actually kind of show that a little bit when they they go down all you see is kind of like an abyss there is no bottom and right. uh the part of the police chase that we're we're talking about um, takes them what for what where they where they call below the fog, um, right. which I'm assuming is like a kind of like a smog layer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go below that, and they still don't even really show the surface, basically the street level of the city. Um, it just goes all the way right. down and kind of into this weird, dark basement almost looking area that's still. The buildings are still going up, but there's still no floor. And, you know, they're implying that you're, they kind of implied that they were as low as you can possibly go. Mm -hmm. And they still showed no street or no ground or floor or anything. Right, right. And and it's not really addressed. Like, I almost feel like the stuff below is either so impoverished or so just uh, unlivable, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's kind of like a shunned part of the city. But also, what did you think about the aspects that almost like made it relatable to current day, whether it be the 90s or even today, where they showed like a drive through at McDonald's, <laughs> right? And then and then you can get takeout Chinese to your apartment window. Like, what did you think about that and how like the marketing of McDonald's was pretty much the same? I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because... That's kind of in part of my notes is similarities to what would have been modern day, 1997. You know, oh, um, yeah, yeah, like the marketing of things. Obviously, McDonald's is huge still, but they might have they, they've adapted it into this aerial in the sky lifestyle kind of thing. 
Uh huh. Um, but more or less, it's pretty much the same. Uh, not really anything has changed. I mean, the the takeout. I mean, it basically is a food cart, an analogous to a food cart that comes up to your house or your apartment mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, except that they're hundreds of feet in the sky and he's on a a flying ship pretty much with sails and right. ridiculous nonsense on the <laughs> ship. Right. Um, right. Which was cool, interesting, but but cool. But what I what I had in my notes was I thought it was interesting there were no cell phones. Mm. Um they had I mean they had communications. You could see people had a headset that was all wireless and obviously a long distance communication kind of thing, but there was nothing that was resemblance of like a of anything there was no nothing that appeared to be a cell phone no pager no anything like that right but they did have they were still rocking landlines right in their, right in their dwellings now they were wireless of course i mean obviously the 90s had wireless landlines but they were still landlines and they were still using mail, snail mail, basically. It looked like it was right. vacuum tube kind of related, it, but it, it was it, still it hard like copy almost, mail. Right. It, it seemed like almost instant mail, right? Because there's only one mail piece or one package or whatever that came at a time, mm-hmm. and it was almost instant. Yeah, I just, there was no, I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, whoever is imagining this version of, the 23rd century in 1997 uh their depiction of communication was interesting because there was no you know he didn't have a personal computer in his uh-huh apartment he didn't have a tablet that he was working on um or nobody did i shouldn't say he you know, corbin uh it was pretty much didn't show it anywhere um you know stuff that we have today we're using right now we're both using phones for video phone call and desktop computers and not any of that stuff was even depicted or anything that would have been like an offshoot of that in the future was depicted at all right which was pretty interesting i, I picked up on that pretty early right i, I think it's kind of cool because i i feel like corbin's apartment is the epitome of like showing what the future is if that makes sense i mean you got the cars and all that kind of stuff but then you look at corbin's apartment like very small in New York City, obviously, but the fridge can go up and down with the shower on top. Mm-hmm. The bed folds in and makes itself. So it's almost like the modern day conveniences mm-hmm. is what the future is rather than the tech, if that makes sense. Right. Well, so I thought that was kind of cool. It wasn't necessarily a major plot point, but that's something that they, it seemed like they were pushing pretty hard through the movie was like a like a future consumerism kind of theme mm-hmm. where literally mm-hmm. everything was a a convenience. I mean, e- right. even down to the cigarette dispenser that filled itself yeah. in the morning, first thing in the morning. Um, right. And, For a day. Well, yeah. It's like trying to get them to quit. Yeah. And did you also notice that the, the, the cigarettes are basically mirrored where it's like this big, long filter and then the only <laughs> yep. little bit of tobacco was like a, a, a half an inch out on the end? Right. Yep. 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 <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, too. Um, yeah. But that's kind of the feel I got from it as well was everything was revolving around the least amount of effort and thought possible. Right. Going into right. daily living. Right. I love that. That's cool. That's cool. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Well, 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 how about this? Well, well this question uh, will end this kind of segment, I guess. So did you feel like the way they portrayed the future was believable enough to be like bought into it? You know, like the way that they showed the mod- like the futuristic conveniences. Were you like, you know what? This, this doesn't seem far-fetched to be the future, if that makes sense. Um, no, I think I would, I think I would agree with that. I mean, there's, there's always going to be an element of ridiculousness in anything, but I mean, just if we want to just look at his apartment, I mean, that's already a theme that we see going right now is people adapting to smaller living spaces, uh, confined quarters, uh, and fitting as many amenities into that small living space as possible i mean there's tv shows about it now where it's uh, i can't think of the i think it's like a tlc show or something yeah i think i know what you're talking about um where that's already a thing that people strive to do is they try to get the smallest footprint possible and have the most stuff crammed into it um Mm -hmm. and so all of that stuff that he has that work towards you know the the shower that's on top of the fridge and the bed that the bed that makes itself I guess, yeah, that's a just a regular type convenience, but it also folds out of the way right, for more like space. Right, into the wall. Um, yeah. Food and meals coming directly to you. Yeah, um, isn't that nuts? She she pours a little like spice into her bowl, hits two buttons on a microwave, and here she has a full roasted chicken on a plate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in, I mean... In that one scene of Lilu. I mean... It's the things that they are doing, and well, I guess the the technology that they have is not far fetched enough to be not believable. I guess I should right. say it's right. just that I think it's the characters themselves that are outlandish. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. like the setting right. itself no, no. is is believable. It's how it's kind of how they the characters interact with it, and they interact with themselves, which is the over the top part. Right, right. No, I I get that. I get that. Like uh, some some of the coolest things about the movie too is, uh, I enjoyed the lack of special effects. Like like almost for being a nineteen nineties sci fi movie, the special effects were used tastefully, if that makes sense. Like if you take uh, the cab work, the flying cab, like they literally used a life sized mock-up of mm-hmm. Corbin's cab and they filmed in there when mm-hmm. they were flying like that as well as the Mangalores the Mandashiwans there they were all real life-sized costumes and actors and actresses portraying them right which I think were pretty cool throughout the whole movie oh definitely and, and you know they didn't go overboard with corny explosions and and stuff right. like that well yeah yeah I, I definitely agree I mean I, I kind of had seen in your notes a little bit I think you had said something about uh use of special effects and i was wondering where you're going with that um right but yes no i I definitely agree i mean it was all nothing was unbelievable they did it well and it was to the best of their ability in 1997 and keeping it believable um and i yeah i I would agree with that that they did a good job with that nice awesome (laughs) cool well at least i have you on my side best movie ever (laughs) he even agreed um so i guess we can move into a little bit uh, move more towards the music side of things it was kind of a 
an odd scoring of the movie. I don't really mm-hmm. know what to call it. Um, right. I, industrial pop, maybe. Although I think that already is a genre that is not anything like this. But I guess that's what I would that's what I would describe the music of the movie. Right. I, I, sometimes it's weird because like the. the the soundtrack changes so much. Like, okay, so if you take the scene of Lilu coming out after being remade and then she sees the city, right? That's very, like, orchestral. That's very organized and repetitive. But then you take um, something like Corbin Dallas's theme, right? Like, very, like, metal clanging, but also kind of, like, rock-y, like, very punchy. Yeah, the, that's and th- that's kind of what I was talking about as that's what I was, you know, quote, industrial pop. Um, right, right, right. Where it had kind of like a like a pop music beat in the background, but on top of it, they, it's, for lack of better terms, I mean, they could have been making these the noises with, like, trash can lids or something. Right, right, um, right, right, right. And they had... <laughs> synthesize that into the background music and that's what they used like you said they used a lot of that for anything corbin related like action scenes Mm -hmm. and stuff um right and it was cool to see that scene that uh that theme reoccur mm -hmm. often throughout the movie but then they also went to uh uh what was her name uh diva it was that was that plava laguna okay okay uh, Ben's like, okay, I'll believe you on her name. Yeah, I did. I didn't know. I think they had called her. Was that like a stage name or something? Because they did say something about diva. Yes. So she was the diva, and her name is Plava Laguna. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, where I was going with that is they they went from that <laughs> the blue lady. Yeah, you put the blue lady in your notes. I thought yep. that was awesome. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, basically, I was saying that you know they go from that that orchestra kind of music uh at one time and then they have this industrial pop corbin music and then they go into like the the uh opera type music for for her performance as well which is right totally it was a very odd string of music for the this movie score right and and then let alone the way that the the whole diva dance so you have like the operatic <laughs> part right and then it goes into lilu kicking some ass alongside the cinematography of the diva dance so like the whole feeling of her song and presence changes quite a bit yeah yeah and they they had some really really fast paced cutscenes right there too uh-huh um, uh-huh where i mean it was cutting back and forth between lilu and uh the blue lady performance um <laughs> within like a couple of seconds of each other i mean they'd focus on one for like uh-huh. a second and a half and then cut back to the other one and they did that several right. times in a row and it, and it like did you find that enjoyable almost how they were overlapped but taking on like happening in two different places because we also see that at different times too like it, it seems like luke besson kind of really enjoyed this kind of cinematography like if you think back so we have the diva scene right mm-hmm. where they go back and forth with the music and lilu and then you also have the scene for the first time when the mangalores bring zorg the so when called stones because they thought it was the stones but the scenes cut back and forth between Lilu talking to priest Vito Cornelius and then Zorg talking to his henchmen where it's like, this case is empty. And it's like, what do you mean empty? And then it'll go back and be like the opposite of full, you know, but it goes back to like Lilu 
and then Zorg talking. So yeah. it's almost like they were finishing each other's sentences. And Lilu is like that telling, basically telling Cornelius the story of how they were stolen, where they went, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And and she's telling the story while it's being realized in real time by Zorg. Right. Which that, I, I did enjoy that. I, I like that a lot. And it's not that I dislike the cin- cinematography. It's more that I like... I don't think it fit all the time because I will say that's one thing that I didn't care for was the the I guess it would be the Lilu fight scene and the opera scene. Okay. Where it was cutting okay. back and forth. I I wouldn't necessarily say I disliked it. I just thought it was it kind of was a little choppy and it didn't flow very nicely. Okay. Um and I would say that that's really my only the only shortfall that I see in the film is that threw me off a little bit. Um, okay. But you know, I mean it, it, in the grand scheme of things, they cut back and forth so many times really fast that it was pretty much over and done with by the time I even realized what was going on. Um, <laughs> right, so it's not right. like it was super distracting <laughs> or anything. Um, I just thought it seemed, it seemed a little bit out of place. Right. No, I, I get that. I get that. I get that. So since we're talking about music and kind of just like a very high um, angle changing sequence what did you think about the first time that we were ever introduced to ruby rod like it's interesting because if you if you take him okay so ruby rod played by chris tucker probably one of the most uh, i don't even know what how to call it like one of the most uh outspoken maybe not outspoken but just like outrageous characters in the entire film i guess he's ambiguous yet outrageous right right very ambiguous until we find out that he is actually a ladies man um right right and and it's interesting because like the the finishing of sentences actually brings ruby rod in each time he's introduced so the first time was it was like corbin and then all of a sudden here comes ruby rod and he's like dallas (laughs) you know and that's the first time you ever meet him (laughs) yes Yes, and then everything he possibly... I mean, he's a radio personality. Right. Is what his... Well, he's a DJ, basically, is what they call him mm-hmm. in the in the movie. Um, but it's kind of funny because he's like this... Like, inside the movie, he is like a larger-than-life character. Right, and right. And outlandishly dressed. His hairstyles are just ridiculous. <laughs> um, his... Everything about him, visually, it, I mean, it's it made me think about like, wait a second, he's radio, so why does any of this matter? But it's just like his his own outlandish personality is what drives him mm-hmm. to dress and act and look like that, right? Regardless right. of his profession being vocal only, right? Um, well, I thought that was a little bit funny, but. <laughs> Yes, everything about, I mean, the best way to describe his scenes, anytime he is in the frame, no matter what, it's like a hectic scene. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, it, it, you know, yeah. it, it could be, no, it could it. go from, they're walking down a hallway and as soon as he enters, things are just going crazy all over the place and it's hard to follow one specific thing that's going on. Right. Right, right. And and that's what I think is so great because Corbin Dallas is very much not that way. So like when when Corbin is like 
when, when Ruby Rod tries to interact with Corbin, everything stops, everything slows down, and then there's like a one-word answer. You know, like it's I don't know. I really enjoy it because I think it's just like a crazy, just nothing makes sense kind of a thing. It's weird. I love it. Well, I think, I think, I don't know if that was part of the thought process in his character at all, but I see it kind of as an explanation to the 23rd century's populace, how they would consume meat entertainment media. Okay. Because we see that, we saw that in the 80s and the 90s, everything gets ramped up. People's attention spans mm-hmm. get lower. You need outlandish, loud, quick-hitting stuff, and right. I think that, that's that's a good point. Personified that's a really good point. in Ruby Rod, right? That's a really good point. Where you have to be almost so out, you have to be so outlandish to be noticed, right? That's exactly was my thought process on the creation of his character. That's amazing. That's a that's a fantastic point. Thank you. <laughs> Best movie ever. I worked hard on that one. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, um, put a lot of thought into that one. All right, so probably I, I guess let me move forward a little bit here in the next couple points that I got. Um, I think there was quite a bit of foreshadowing that they talked about in the movie. I think the one of the greatest examples of the foreshadowing was uh, <laughs> in the. <laughs> the blue lady death scene um, <laughs> where she talked about how uh, he, she kind of talked about Corbin and Lilu's relationship and how it was, she kind of cryptically said that Lilu needs Corbin, but not for the reasons that he assumes. Right. Um, and so she basically was alluding to that, Lilu needs Corbin's love. And right. to a casual observer that hasn't seen the rest of the movie, okay, it seems like a, a normal thing to say or to need. Uh-huh. But as we soon find out, spoiler alert, the fifth element is actually love. Right. And right. that's why she said what she said. And they it had been mentioned at several points um, even more cryptically about love and this sort of thing. And it all gets folded back around in the very end um, because that it turns out that love was the fifth element and the secret to the weapon that would destroy the evil. Right, right. Um, so we saw a little bit of foreshadowing. We, I know we've talked about that in the past in the other movies. Um, <laughs> so one of my main points, it wasn't being very specific, but the fashion oh yeah. now this is kind of what we talked about <laughs> before where a lot of aspects of this movie aren't really unbelievable except the fashion i mean it is so <laughs> crazy i mean basically there's some people walking around in just like straight up rubber suits yeah i know i know did you notice that when they're in the airport yeah they're in the airport i was i was thinking of the guy who who went to corbin's house that was trying to mug him Oh, and yeah, he took yeah. his gun. It, Give me the cash. Yeah, he was obviously tweaking on something. <laughs> right, right, um, right. <laughs> but his his <laughs> pants and his vest thing he was wearing was all uh-huh. like made out of thick rubber. Right. And it looked horribly <laughs> right. uncomfortable. 
Yeah. I just imagine it pulling every it, little bit of chest hair out as you move. Right. Um, and it, it, it looked like you also had like MC Hammer pants on that were like leopard print. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were like this weird, like shiny. They almost look plastic as well. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. And then uh, part that was part of part of Lilu's outfit later on, too, were these weird like like thick oh. thick like half inch thick rubber like suspender things right, right. Uh, which i didn't really get either <laughs> and all of the fashion was just so crazy even the normal <laughs> stuff like the jacket that that corbin put on which i would assume was oh. like a military type jacket that he put on for this mission looks all right. olive drab green and all this stuff but it had these weird like poofy shoulder pad things yep <laughs> yep <laughs> So what what did you think about like Zorg's outfit, Zorg's like Gary Oldman and his? Oh my goodness, <laughs> his half hair, yeah, his half hair, and he's wearing that clear plastic headpiece thing that fits really close right. to his head. And all of his henchmen also had like these blue translucent plastic skull cap things on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you did you notice if you looked really closely at him on the the close up scenes, whether it's the henchman or Zorg himself, you could see the sweat condensation on the inside. Oh really? Yeah. No. I, well, I I might have noticed a little bit, but I definitely noticed like there's skin pressing against it, and it looked just weird. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. And, I, <laughs> and that just made me feel their uncomfortableness that mm-hmm. much more because I like I can I can just I can imagine what that feeling would be. You feel it on your head. You yeah. feel the moisture building up, and you can feel like the condensation of it sticking to your skin. Um, and I just don't I don't get what the appeal of any fashion like uh, that would would be like oh ju- it's just amazing i love it and it's like funny that well it's crazy the kind of names that were in it so if you kind of go behind the scenes and you read up more about the movie itself so bruce willis really enjoyed his time with it absolutely loved it mia really enjoyed it which i can give you a fun fact as well but uh gary oldman uh actually Hated to this it. day yeah, he 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 prefers to not talk about it. So w- kind of what it was from what I've gathered, it was actually a favor cashed in by Luke Besson, the director, I think to get to have Gary Oldman in yes. the film. Yes, because so, yeah. he fronted a bunch of money to a a he fronted a bunch of money to another project that Oldman was working on. Okay. I don't remember okay. the name of that movie. But there was a lot of money that changed hands for the funding of it between Besson mm-hmm. and production company and all these people. And right. so, yes, his involvement, I we must have been reading the same thing. Um, right. Because, yeah, that was a big part of why Oldman was in this movie is because he kind of, he owed him one. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, is that The Fifth Element isn't the only movie that Luke Besson um, and... Gary Oldman worked on. Uh, let's see. Shoot. Oh, I. Uh, I know the movie. Give me a second. Um, Leon the Professional. Leon the Professional. Okay. That's 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 directed by Luke Besson as well, and Gary Oldman plays a big part in that as well, which I believe Gary Oldman enjoyed playing in that movie. But I just think it's interesting that. Out of the movies they worked together, The Fifth Element, he did not enjoy being. I don't know if he just didn't like the character or whatever, but yeah, d- did not did not enjoy uh, being a part of that movie. No, which is and see, crazy, that's but. funny because from 
the relatively little reading that I've done, it seems like he was the only one that didn't enjoy it. Um, right. Because, right. I mean, obviously everyone involved with this movie understood the goofiness that they were involved in. But, like, right. Willis and... Uh, 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 There's, like, Ian Holmes yeah, in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and Javovich, they... Like they saw what it was and they just saw the filming as an opportunity just to have fun with it. Like it's a goofy movie right. already. Might as well just be in it for the good experience and have fun with it. And Gary Oldman was just not having any of it. Right. And it's really funny because like Mia Jovovich and Luke Besson actually had an affair together during filming. Oh, really? And married. Yeah. So they actually together came up with the divine language. And that's all that's all they spoke to each other on set and offset. Like they spoke to each other in the divine language and then ended up marrying. Uh, let's see. Then they ended up marrying in 1997. So, yeah, they, they married the year the movie was put out. Interesting. Yeah. I was not aware of that, that piece of it. I had read that it was what I had read was the divine language was solely Mila Jovovich. Uh what she came up with it on set, but I didn't realize that it was between the two of them, two of them. Uh huh. Yep. Um, no, that's really right to actually, to come up with a language that sounds good while filming. Wouldn't, I wouldn't think would be that difficult to come up with the language and then speak it to each other would be yeah, exactly. extraordinarily difficult. I know. Isn't that the weirdest thing ever? Yeah. Like that's that <laughs> that's some like psychopath <laughs> kind of stuff there. Like to I know. to be able to just to come up with a language and then converse in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole time. And then like almost sound like they spoke it their entire lives. Yeah. Um crazy. Yeah, that that is that is crazy. Um so I guess really the last thing on my list is pretty much uh Every character in the movie, with the exception of, I would even say, Lilu and Corbin, was portrayed as horribly incompetent. Um, and I'll, it, and I mean that by looking at like, obviously the 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 I think he was a general early on. He was tasked with destroying the evil. I mean, he was. Mm-hmm. He didn't really do anything, didn't really seem like he was good for anything. <laughs> I mean, the president really didn't do anything either. The president was the president of the Federation Territories or something. Uh-huh, Federated Territories. Federated yeah, Territories. I mean, he was didn't really do anything anyway. I mean, he made no real pivotal decisions. Right, he, he just had a good voice. Yeah. Um, Cornelius, I guess he kind of knew what he was doing, but he was real stuttery and kind of <laughs> wishy-washy about stuff. Um, and obviously all the villains were, I mean, the, they were kind of like blundering idiots as villains in sci-fi movies are tend to be anyway. Right. Um, And so I guess the point that I'm trying to make is what Corbin has because of his background, he has an exceptional skill set, and with surrounding him by idiots, they made his (laughs) skill set, which was already pretty advanced, look almost I would say even godlike. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Because he yeah, was outperforming 
the military that was surrounding them. He was outperforming the crew of the cruise ship who obviously had some mm-hmm. sort of training. He was obviously way advanced to the villain army. Um, right. And so, yeah, I guess I think that was an interesting thing that I picked up on. Is normally there is more than one confident person in a film. Um, right. But it seems like this one particular <laughs> one had very, very few. Right. And, and, it, and it was almost like as much as you'd think <clears throat> like the fifth element or Lilu would be untouchable. She actually gets shot and on the verge of death, but it's actually Corbin throughout the whole movie that's untouchable almost. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and even her, like I would say, you know, she, I would lump her into the competent characters, even though she seemed kind of out of it a lot of the time, just because she was like relearning human history and didn't really know what was going on. Right. Um, she obviously right. knew, she knew what she had to do. Um, so I would lump her in with the competent people, but yeah, I mean that's okay, really the okay. only two that I see as <laughs> worth it. I like how we're know? like lumping people into this: competent, <laughs> not competent, maybe a little bit competent. <laughs> what would you say Ruby Rod is? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's good at what he does, but he's a mess pretty much outside of anything <laughs> else. Yeah, that's true. Three Coben, three, three, three coming Coben. <laughs> They got big ears and they stink. Yeah, well, I like when he, he hands him the gun and he's he's basically uh, Corbin tells him to like, hey, hold this gun on the guy, and he's like, well, what do right. I do? And he's like, if it moves, feel shoot right. it. Corbin, Corbin, I don't feel right. I don't, I don't feel right. I'm getting a headache. Yeah, I know. and then it fires yeah. and he kills See, him. Like, I think Corbin does something and startles him. He does. The guy doesn't yeah. even move. He startles him. He shoots him. He's like, right. oh, 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 oh no. He, he's gonna be all right, right? He's gonna make it. Yeah, right. He, shoots, he shot him in the head. I know. <laughs> oh my god i love it i uh, love it well, well we kind of skipped over my 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 favorite scene so we'll talk about favorite scenes uh, oh my god my well okay well i have a lot but if i'm going just by like one i enjoy quite a bit it's when the police are bought out by zorg and they're like trying to kidnap corbin so then they can get on Flost in paradise <laughs> and so in the future when the police come you have to put your hands on yellow circles on the wall and they come by and then they look through your door which i thought and so they look through corbin oh yeah what, I, don't, I don't want to hold you up too much i just thought that was interesting as well it's like it's not only were their dwellings efficient as far as living they were efficient as far as police extraction right they were set up right. with viewports so the police could look in they were set mm-hmm. up they already had these yellow dots painted on the wall for when the police come and arrest you um right so I thought that was interesting as well. So continue. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's really interesting. And that's like, that's a, that's a common theme throughout the whole movie. Like everywhere they are, they have these circles that you're supposed to like submit yourself to. And then the police will come and get you. Um, but uh, when they when they look through into Corbin and they're like, sir, are you classified as human? And he's like, no, I'm a meat popsicle. <laughs> Negative. I am a meat Negative. popsicle. Right. Literally. One of the best quotes in the entire Hollywood scene. <laughs> I did, because I had heard that quote through you before. Honestly, I think we opened a show with it at one point. I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. And I was kind of waiting for it the whole time. When that popped up, I, I lost it pretty good, because it's such did a really? stupid quote, but it's used so funny in the movie, and I already knew right. about it beforehand, and it was it was funny. It was good. Right. I love it. I love it. I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> Do you have a favorite scene uh, to pick 
to pick from the movie? Oh boy, I don't know if I have a favorite scene. The whole movie. Yeah, the, the whole movie. movie. The whole movie is my favorite. <laughs> no, I thought it was kind of funny when uh it's a stupid scene, but when the <laughs> general Wow, that that's a good way to start it. No, no, no. I didn't mean stupid, but it was like a it I guess doesn't you know, mean much as far as the movie right. goes. Um right, no, I, I'm just poking poking. When the, they first basically rematerialized Lilu. Right. And the general goes up and he starts tapping on the glass. <laughs> right. And uh and he did the the classic the she's speaking this other this divine language and he does the classic like movie idiot thing to do when they there's two there's a language barrier. Everyone every idiot in every movie thinks all I got to do is speak English just a little bit slower and clearer. Mm-hmm. They'll get it. They'll mm-hmm. understand. Right, and he right. did, and then she ended up knocking him out, punching through right. the glass, and smashing his head on the. Right, it's funny because he's kind of portrayed as like not the brightest tool in the shed the entire movie either. Oh yeah, you know, like right, right, right when the evil stopped right outside the earth, he like looks over the president and he's like, <laughs> like chuckles, like. <laughs> yeah, like, well, just every time they cut to him, ninety percent of the time he's got this like his mouth is hanging open, he's got this stupid look <laughs> on his face. Right, right. The best is when he gets shoved into the fridge. Major, major, we won't all fit in here. Sure you will. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's freaking frozen with that face. Yeah, that stupid look on his face. Dopey look. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's good. Aside from that, I like the meat popsicle scene, too. That was okay. Cool. That was good. Cool. All right. I like it. So what do you got in your thought section that I didn't get to? Uh, let's see. Well, we, well, uh, uh, young Luke Perry makes, uh, makes entry into the movie in the first like 10, 15 minutes. Like the guy who's drawing mm-hmm. or, or, or keeping track of Aziz light. That's Luke Perry, man. Does it make me a bad person to not really know who Luke Perry is? You should look him up. He passed away well, yeah, last did, year. I did know that. I think it was last year or the year before. But right. what else is he in? Um, Shoot. Luke. <laughs> Frantic typing. I guess Luke I could have looked it up Perry. too. Um, filmography. He did oh, look my. familiar. When I first saw him, I'm like, wow, that face looks really familiar. Good intentions. Um, I don't know, like what you'd necessarily know. Alice upside down. Dirt. Down the. Uh, oh, some of these are like direct to video. That's fantastic. Oh yeah, highest quality right there. Right, the heist. Amer- normal what? Eight seconds. I don't know, man. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. Oh, he was in the Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, that's sweet. The movie's interesting. I'll tell you that. Is it actually? Have you seen that? I have seen it. Yeah. Oh, I. He stars. He stars as himself in Family Guy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So what I'm getting from this whole list of things is, it appears that he was in a ton of chick flicks. Yeah, TV as well. TV, he was pretty big on. Mm-hmm. 
So, hmm. so I guess I probably um, saw him in passing in something and didn't necessarily realize oh, who sure. he was. I'm sure. Uh, uh, well, oh, here's the thing I wanted to do a quick touch on. So, oh. did you did you kind of draw a parallel between like Egypt and then aliens? Like, out of everywhere that could happen, it was Egypt where the stones were going, and then the Mandashiwans came in, and then there were hieroglyphs of the Mandashiwans in the fifth element. Like, did you think that was interesting? Because there's a long history of aliens with Egypt. Yeah, no, I did think that was interesting, and that's something that I skipped up here in my notes. Uh, oh, okay, I didn't even realize. Uh, yeah, tie into ancient Egypt. So I thought, No th- way! I thought that's that cool. was interesting because there kind of is a long history of suspected alien involvement with you know egyptian monuments and stuff um and i think that was a cool way to reference that but also tie it into the current stuff that was going on basically they were there um said hey we'll be back in so many years and it appeared that they did it several times they basically kind of Mm -hmm. a reoccurring trip to earth um right and yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely picked up on that. And that's a kind of a cool way to introduce the aliens, even because at that point in the movie, when we first see them, it's, I'm assuming it's like late 1800s, early 1900s. Oh um, yeah. Just based yeah. on their dress. Um, and so we see them that early in the whole series of things. And that's a, a really cool way to bring them in there the first time. Absolutely. Uh, and then the last thing here is just the subtleties of the future. So when he was on his f- on the phone with his mother for the first time, Corbin was, she talked about her actually living on the lunar service. And oh. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and she, she mentioned it several times, I think, too. And it's almost like... Uh, it's almost like they, they reference the moon as like low-income housing. Right, right, right. Um, or like a it's like a, assisted living or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the vibe I got, the way she talked about living on the moon. Almost like you just forget about me up here. Yeah, it's like you, we don't you, matter. It's like you dumped me off here and you just forgot about me kind of thing. Right, um, right. Which I That's thought that was, that was, that I did pick up on that and it was interesting. <laughs> right. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Question of the episode. Zero to 10, what would you rate the fifth element? I would give the fifth element. I've been waiting for this for, for a 50 minutes. Sci-fi action movie. It's definitely an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. I would give it an eight. I liked it. I really did. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Because you know, I, I always get mixed signals when we text each other, and it's like, oh, he used the word great instead of like fantastic or whatever. So, like, I don't know if it's just because this is my favorite movie. If he feels inclined to say, oh yeah, it was. Great. No, if it was terrible, I'd tell you it was terrible. <laughs> I know you're good at that. You you just you're straight up. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't BS you on it. Nice. Would watch again. Would, would you watch again by yourself, or if I was there, you'd be more inclined to watch again and enjoy it? Um. Well, that's kind of a loaded question because I don't ever watch movies by myself. Okay, good call. That's good really, call. honestly, that's really the only reason when I ever watch movies is with someone else. Like I'm just not okay inherently a movie person so i think that's kind of a loaded question um but i would watch it again yes would it be okay, would it right, have cool. to be with someone else also yes <laughs> just because i i love it that's how i watch movies i love it that's fantastic did sierra enjoy it i, I realized that you guys both watched it together uh, right? she seemed to yeah she definitely identified that it was kind of a zany movie as well okay um, okay but i think she All liked right. it cool 
Right up my alley. No wonder it's my favorite. Huh? <laughs> I love it. What do you think, man? Should we wrap this puppy up? Well, I'm, well I, we should. I'm assuming that you're giving it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Okay. I think well, that's a you safe know what? assumption. Nah. Well, a 10 out of 10 just because I love it. But, you know, if I was actually looking at, at it, like, objectively, it would probably be, like, you know, like a 9, or like 8.5 out of 9. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if and when you do rewatch it, whether we're together or not, you have to point out. So when they when the camera first goes into Floss and Paradise, when they arrive, right to the left on the frame, you'll see a, a boom mic operator mm. from the scene. He's right there. <laughs> He's right there. And it's almost like he like looks up and the camera's there and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. No, I did not notice that. That bums me out. I'm going to have to find that yeah. scene. Yeah, you will. You will. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's episode 110, all about the fifth element rounding out our first round of recommendations. Uh, again, we'll be taking next week off as Ben is getting married on this coming upcoming weekend. So, um, yeah, he plays a pretty big role in that. And I guess I do. I guess I do as well. So we will be out of commission next weekend. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to Young Nostalgia. We appreciate you all so, so much. If you like what you hear, you can find us on your favorite podcasting apps, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, we're out there. Also, if you enjoy, give us a review, hit the five-star button, as well as take about 10 seconds, write a short review on what you enjoy. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a, if a future topic or want to be a guest with Ben and I, give us an email at youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com. I think that uh, gives us the housekeeping. Anything else, big guy? Uh, no, I think that was fun. This whole series that we did was fun. Uh, we'll have to do it again. We'll have to wait a little bit, obviously, but since it takes so long. But we'll have to do it again because I already have my three-movie list already set. Whew, I got to start working. Yeah, my fault is that like I, I look at a movie and be like, oh, yeah, that's a good one to put on there. And then I watch it, but then don't remember <laughs> to put that down. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm just saying you gotta get your get it in gear because I already got my three I movies. I know. I just love how like young nostalgia is like a way of life. Like it's not it's not just a show, but it's literally a way of life. <laughs> show prep not until the day of. Topic not until the day of. Usually an episode late every now and then. It's a way of life. <laughs> it's the life of amateur podcasters right here. Right, right. Let, let us know if you live the Young Nostalgia life. YoungNostalgiaPod at gmail.com. All right, man. I think that pretty much brings us to the end. We didn't hit our 51-minute mark, but that's okay. A little bit over. Now nah, we'll just cut it. We'll just trim it back and just end it abruptly. Right. And you know what? I hit the absolute wrong theme song. I hit our transition song. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Before this turns into <laughs> more of a train wreck. What a, as we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>